and I'm trying to be part of a movement to, you know, usher in a, a different view of our aging bodies and selves, more like that in Asia, you know, where elders are highly respected and celebrated and they're not expected to have youthful bodies. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager, and my goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about this podcast, which just won an Anthem Award, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judith Banker, a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. Well, we all know that aging has its joys and challenges. And one of the challenges you won't be surprised to hear is the change in our bodies, particularly if you are a woman. And most of us mourn the loss of our younger bodies, but are there ways we can think about our aging bodies differently? Today we're speaking with Dr. Susan Sands, a clinical psychologist known for her trailblazing work in female development. Her new book, The Inside Story, is a radical new look at aging as a woman. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Nicole. I'm very pleased to be here and thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm looking forward to having a wonderful conversation. I read your book and it just uh, seems so necessary now to think about uh, aging, especially as a woman, differently. And I, to start off, I'm wondering why you decided to name your book The Inside Story. Well, you know, for starters, of course, the title suggests something hidden and important that most people don't know. But the title and the theme of my book um, really grew out of my concern that so many of us middle-aged or older women um, remain so focused on how we look. And we think we look good if we look young, which means, uh, means that we end up uh, in a war with our own bodies as our bodies age and change. Our youth-obsessed culture is part of it, of course, but another largely unrecognized factor is that we've never been encouraged by our society to really get to know, sense, and feel our bodies. So I decided that I was going to focus on what I sometimes call the inside body, the body that we sense and feel, rather than the outside body. Uh, which is the body that others see and which we may think is too heavy, too wrinkled, too saggy. Now, I'm convinced that um, how we feel about our bodies depends to a large degree on how comfortable we feel in our bodies. 
which mm-hmm. depends on how aware we are of our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's, there, yes, please. I was just going to say that's really interesting because as someone who also does work with eating disorders, and I know you know this very well, when we talk about hunger, sometimes people will say, women will say, I don't know. I don't know when I'm hungry. That's right. That's right. Uh, they're not really in touch with their body sensations. And that's why I you know, spend a lot of time in the book talking about this exciting new science of embodiment, which is called interoception. And it's firmly established that your mind is rooted in your body, that your body is the foundation of your being. And how it works is that internal and sensory signals um, which come from all over your body get integrated and encoded in your brain stem and then up to your brain's cortex in a site called the insula. And the insula, it maps the physiological state of your whole body. It tells you how you're doing, which is terribly important because it allows us to maintain our physiological equilibrium which ensures our survival. Um, And this process also, it's amazing. It creates our consciousness, our emotional awareness, Uh our sense of well-being, our very sense of self. I mean, your your sense of being you is created from your inner body sensations. How interesting. You know, I think I don't want to go down a clinical rabbit hole, but it does make me think about CBT and only using cognitive uh, thoughts to make change. And I think what you're saying is you really need to look more at what the body is saying, what the signs are, what what you're feeling and what that means. Am I getting that correct? Absolutely. Uh, You know, when I'm doing therapy, it is talk therapy, but I'm asking, you know, where they feel things in their body. And some people can't do it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it takes some time and practice to learn how to do it. But, you know, um, CBT plus meditation is very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't usually meditate with my patients, but a lot of people are doing that. They meditate at the beginning and then at the end of the session to help people drop down more into their bodies. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Is there a particular kind of meditation that you like to use with your patients? Well, you know, mind, mindfulness meditation mm-hmm. is, is really, uh, that's, what I've, that's what I've learned the most about over the years, and that's what I do myself. You know, it's just really um, sinking down and, and focusing first on your breathing. Mm-hmm. And then as you get more adept, it has to do more with trying to feel your whole body, you know, to feel your whole body, like sitting on, can you feel your buttocks sitting on the chair, for mm-hmm. example? And it's just a, a way of, of helping people tune in to w- what's going on inside. But, you know, you can also... Uh, do it all the time. I mean, we can very simply just check in with our bodies as we're doing the dishes or walking around the world uh, to see what's going on and how we're doing and what we need. 
And so, how would you do that? Let's just do a practical example. We're washing the dishes and our minds wandering. Maybe we're worrying about something or distressed. What would it look like? Well, first you have to catch the fact that you're going off, you know, into worries, which is what you have to do in meditation too. But if you catch that, then you can make a conscious effort to drop down into your body and to try to sense yourself from within. And by the way, uh, you know, this a strong body sense doesn't just happen. Uh, we have to cultivate it and practice it and, and keep on renewing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and then, you know, when, when we are down in our bodies, then we say, oh, you know, my, I've got this tightness in my chest. And then we can kind of move into that tightness in our chest and think, well, what's that about? And then you realize, well, you have, you have to have an interview in an hour, mm-hmm. <laughs> for example. Mm-hmm. And then you try to stay with that and see what all the associations are to that and the feelings. Mm-hmm. Do you add on a self-compassion piece? Is that oh, part of... <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. Well, Kristen <laughs> Neff has been on the show twice, so yes. I'm primed. Of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, and Tara Brock also has her, her RAIN program. You know. That's right. How beautiful and, that yes, is. How, how beautiful. So, of mm. course, you have to... You can put your hands right on your heart. That, yeah. often, mm-hmm. that often helps. Mm-hmm. And then you um, feel compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's amazing how well it works. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, this um, compassion meditation, uh, you know, uh, where you, you send messages to yourself, um, you know, may you be safe, mm-hmm. may you be healthy, mm-hmm. may, you, may you live with ease. Mm. Um, That has been shown to be more effective than any other form of meditation. Really? So doing metta? Metta, that's exactly right. It started with Sharon Salzberg. Metta meditation, loving kindness, loving kindness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, I agree with you. The, The effectiveness is, it's astounding. Yeah, it really is. And just, you know, as little as as 10 minutes a day can have effects. So you would say like, what's going on? Hey, tension, tension. Hey, what's, you know, surprising or not surprising or what? Let me know more. Yes. Invitation rather than, oh, man, am I anxious again? When's this going to be over with? Exactly. You're really open, open to your own experience, whatever it is, and just being with it. So you're talking about developing internal body awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the, right. what are the, I know that there are benefits emotionally, you know, you feel, 
often feel better. There's an ease, more space. Anything else that you see as a benefit of developing these internal body signals and, and, and information? Well, let me just say that, you know, there's a lot of research on this now. And the good news is that we can develop interoceptive awareness or body awareness. And the research shows it leads to all kinds of positive changes, better emotion regulation, increased happiness, more of a sense of presence, more empathy and compassion for others, which we were just talking about, and for ourselves, um, firmer self other boundaries, um, a more stable and accurate body image. Mm -hmm. um, it's also, there's also, you know, our own experience from the inside. We have, I would call it, you know, this invigorating sense of actually living in our body, feeling at home in our body, mm. all here. And we can feel more grounded and clear and steady and strong. And interestingly, we like and respect ourselves more and compare ourselves less to others. And the, what I've already said, you know, a, a bit is we, we recognize our own needs and desires, and then we can act on them. And then there's, there's kind of a medical piece to being more embodied, which is that uh, we're less likely to develop debilitating physical and mental health conditions because we wow. can because we can treat the minor problems earlier before they progress to serious conditions. Like a physiological example is if we don't let our high blood sugar progress to diabetes. So there's sort of, there's sort of nothing that you can imagine <laughs> that, that isn't made better by having more internal body awareness. How is it helpful as we're aging and we live in an ageist world and many of us have some internal ageist thoughts, how does developing this internal body awareness counteract some of the toxicity of an ageist, uh, our thoughts or, or the culture we live in? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to say that the importance of building body awareness for aging has not been explored very much about researchers, you know, or teachers, um, despite it's being, I think, precisely what an aging body needs. And, and this is because nobody really wants to focus very much on aging in this society. But isn't it obvious that as our physical selves become less robust and stable and reliable, the best corrective is to feel firmly rooted in our bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems kind of intuitive to me. We the need... inside rather than the outside. And also it gives us a feeling of being rooted, mm -hmm. you know, grounded with the roots kind of going down into the earth. We feel, if we feel more grounded internally, it helps us as we age when we feel less physically adept externally. So it's kind of a no-brainer for me, but, but people haven't, I, nobody to my knowledge has really talked about it. Mm -hmm. 
I'm wondering what it would look like. I'm I'm just kind of a, a practical, you know, and I know our, our listeners are probably wondering, how would I do this? How can I you develop these uh, awareness of the inside to help counteract some of my ageist thoughts like, oh, I just looked in the mirror and I see more wrinkles um, and I don't like that. I look old. Mm -hmm. um, and then where do you go from there? Like, oof, you know, it's a particularly bright day. I look in the mirror. Wow, lots of wrinkles. Where do we go from there? Well, it, it's really what I've been talking about in, in, in terms of what we can do if we if we catch ourselves looking in the, a store window and we look really old, we can drop down into our bodies and feel ourselves. And it's so much more pleasurable that we feel so much better when we're down there, that it counteracts these negative feelings that we're having about ourselves as, as we age. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, you know, I, I, I am writing, especially to women in my book, because sexism joins with aging to make it particularly hard to be an aging female in our society. You know, the, the culture's male gaze is directed primarily at young, slender, sexy female bodies mm -hmm. to the point it's considered part of, it's actually considered part of female gender identity to be preoccupied with appearance and sexual attractiveness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, the studies show that a majority of Western women are dissatisfied with their bodies. And this significantly affects our mental health. Uh, women in midlife who are dissatisfied with their bodies are two times more likely to report significant symptoms of depression mm -hmm. than those who are not. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was surprised to see is the increase in residential treatment for women middle age and older that Renfrew, which our listeners mm -hmm. may, you know, not be aware of kind of the gold standard for eating disorder treatment. Um, they're reporting something like a 37 or 40% increase in, in middle-aged and post-middle-aged women coming in because they're really f in the throes of now a clinical eating disorder as they are, you know, transitioning into older age, not having the male gaze, as you describe, mm -hmm. and become obsessed with maintaining or achieving thinness and, um, you know, Right. Then we know where that goes. Right. And, you know, you didn't mention it, but, but one of the reasons it gets worse in middle age is that people tend to put on a little weight. Mm -hmm. And this is very hard for a lot of women. Um, and, you know, that's one reason that many develop eating disorders, mm -hmm. um, even though they're more prevalent in, in, for college age kids. Mm -hmm. And but, then if you have a daughter, she is blooming into the picture of, you know, yes, yes. beauty and, 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 and health and um, all of that. And many women with daughters find that a really painful, 
time to be proud of your daughter, but also to feel some jealousy and, and even competition. And especially if the husband is really enamored of this daughter, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting anything, you know, insidious, but just mm-hmm. she's really getting a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. And, and as you know, for women who have put a, a big value on their physical attractiveness um, or have been um, seen for that, who have yes. been gotten a lot of attention. Then all of a sudden I have a friend who told the story of she's quite a beautiful woman. And as a, a younger woman, she looked like Isabella Rossellini. So oh, she gosh. got a lot of attention, just a classically beautiful woman, very, very kind too. But she was in the grocery store and she noticed a man kind of making eye contact and looking a little flirty. And she was so thrilled because that hadn't happened in quite some time. So this went on for a couple of moments and she was just delighted until she realized that he was actually looking at the woman behind her. Oh God. And so that was a painful, (laughs) painful realization. Like, no, actually you're invisible now. Yeah. Right. Mm. But, you know, I, I do have, I mean, th- there is some optimism uh, with the aging body. It's, 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 it's not a, a huge piece, but it, it's kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, it's about body image. There's lots of research on body image. How does body image affect how we age? Well, it's, inter- it's, it's surprising news that our level of what's termed uh, body satisfaction doesn't increase with age, but tends to say the same or decline a bit. There is this sort of uptick, you know, uh, after menopause, uh, a little one. But then how we have felt about our body is surprisingly level over a lifetime. But what's exciting and unexpected to me is that there's another thing that's measured, which is called body appreciation. And older women actually have higher levels of what's called body appreciation, mm-hmm. which has to do with accepting and respecting our bodies more and more often rejecting this thin ideal promoted by the media. Mm-hmm. We gain more appreciation of our body's abilities as we get older, like our body's ability to stay strong and healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That and sounds like wisdom. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. And body and body appreciation is correlated with feelings of well-being. Now we can have both. We can feel more body appreciation and body dissatisfaction at the same time as we get older. In other words, we can wish our tummy or our thighs were smaller or mm. something, mm-hmm. or we had fewer wrinkles at the same time that we maintain this generally accepting maybe even favorable sense of our body. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yes, that's lovely. What, uh, what do you know now that you didn't know when you began writing the inside story? Well, just about everything I've talked about. <laughs> okay, I see. Not, not, not everything, but I, I had not heard of interoception. Mm-hmm. You know, that really just started up as a research topic in the late 90s. And it's 
you know, there have been hundreds and hundreds of articles published just in the last, what, two decades. So that was very interesting to me. And um, then thinking more about this term I use called body sense, which I like better than interoception because body sense, you know, it really talks about sensing our bodies. I was surprised because, you know, I, I interviewed almost 30 women for this book and I was surprised by some of the positive comments I got. Mm-hmm. That was something new. Now, what really blew me away was that nearly all of these women who, by the way, ranged in age from 48 to 91, mm-hmm. they told me that their lives had gotten better in many ways mm-hmm. as they got older. Yeah. And every single one of my interviewees mentioned feeling less anxious. And many, many said something in the realm of, I feel more like myself. Now, these are huge changes. Mm-hmm. And one, a 60-year-old friend of mine said, I feel a lot more freedom to acknowledge how I feel and move on it. I can call the shots. And this is something that happens to many of us after menopause, that we feel more free. We feel we can do what we damn well please. And what, what, what's your thought about that post-menopause, now there's a freedom and a liberation? How, how do you understand that? Well, I mean, for one thing, we go through so much in menopause. You know, we can feel our body changing. And so we can, I think, at the same time, feel our, ourselves changing in a certain way. I mean, in the book, I talk about how hot flashes mm. can kind of burn through this layer of good girl mm. in us. And we, as I said, we feel like more like we can do what we want. It's, uh, it's quite liberating for most of us. It is interesting. I was just going to say, you know, many people think middle age is, is this great thing. You know, we're younger, we have our, our families, and we're uh, in our careers. And the reality is most people in middle age are just exhausted, stressed, yeah. you know. And when you look at that, a book called, like The Happiness Curve, and it really looks at how it's a tough time. It's a tough phase to be in middle age. Exactly. And actually, things do get better as we age. Yeah, that happiness curve shows that we're happiest when we're very young and very old. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that the, the year that we're most happy is the age of 82. <laughs> and that we're least happy around the age of 47, which was true for me. Mm-hmm. So much, so much stress, so much, you know, at least now in our culture, trying to work, trying to, you know, run a household um, and parent and put away money for college and and all of that. And women feel that, you know, like we have to be super women much more than men do. We have to be doing all of it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also that these hormonal changes are very real. We're in perimenopause for 10 years. Uh-huh. So, you know, we can feel that change and we can feel some of us, you know, all the premenstrual ups and downs. And, um, you know, one of the things that I talk about is 
how later in life or after menopause where we're not having this dramatic action of, of our hormonal surges going on all the time in our bodies our bodies are are um they're quieter inside they're yeah. they're slower uh -huh. and i believe that we can more easily then feel our way into our inside bodies and and really get more embodied that's been true for me uh -huh. i feel like i'm much more embodied now than i was when i was younger and of course we always write about our own challenges right mm -hmm. <laughs> of course of course it makes me think of you know when i talk to some of my clients you know when they are like in this perimenopause time um and they feel angry and they feel frustrated they really feel ashamed of that and spend a lot of energy trying to kind of get rid of those feelings. I have no reason to feel angry. You know, I'm privileged or, you know, have a house, a roof over my head and on nice children, all of this stuff. So there's so much preoccupation, in, at least when I work with people and why am I feeling angry? I'm so uncomfortable with that. Right. Well, and that's an emotion that women have traditionally been uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's been changing over the years, you know, with feminism and, and letting ourselves be more who we are, you know, not contorting ourselves into pretzels to please mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I think that knowing what's going on physiologically is a very important part of it because our, our minds and our bodies are not separate. They're one thing. So if if you're feeling more angry when you're feeling these hormonal surges and you're feeling the discomfort of being in your body, well, it, it helps us it helps us understand our anger and, and feel more compassionate about it. Uh -huh. I remember doing that when I was in menopause. I mean, with with friends, they'd suddenly break out into a sweat and we'd laugh about it. Or we talk about how incredibly irritable we were feeling. Mm -hmm. And some women over the years have thought that that's sort of sexist, you know, to admit that our hormones, our female hormones may be doing this to us. I think it's just the opposite. Let's accept the truth about our bodies and what's really going on in our bodies. You write that the universal human process of aging remains a human rights frontier. Can you speak to that? Well, what I mean uh, by that is, you know, that we boomers and, and young, that we have the older generations, we've done so much. We've advocated for the rights of women and for people of every color and sexual and gender identity and disability. But this, this movement for the dignity of aging, which is the group to which we all may belong, if we're lucky, mm -hmm. it's still in the dark ages. As mm -hmm. you said, it, it's a human rights frontier. It's the last sort of, air quotes, acceptable um, discrimination. It is. Yeah, it's so unfair. It's also a discrimination that we feel against ourselves. Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we're, we're ageist about, yeah. about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the, um, you know, health professionals who are supposed to be helping us are also, some of them still ageist. My friend Franny sprained her knee a while ago. She was hiking at 9,000 feet in the, in the Sierras. And she complained to her doctor that her knee was not improving. And he actually said to her, well, what do you expect at your age? To which Franny responded, well, my right one is just fine, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... So I would love to be part of a movement, and I'm trying to be part of a movement to, uh, you know, usher in a, a different view of our aging bodies and selves, more like that in age, Asia, you know, where elders are highly respected and celebrated, mm-hmm. and they're not expected to have youthful bodies. What that would, it would be such a change in mindset. Wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's hard <laughs> to imagine how, what kind of a ripple effect that would even have in our culture. It would be so profound. Right. And I think to get there, we've, we've all got to really make an effort to uh, ferret out and uh, challenge negative age stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, Susan, it's such important. This is such an important topic, and I think that um, our listeners will be very interested to hear more. Where can they find out more about you and your work? Well, I think the best place is, is my website, mm-hmm. and that's uh, it's pretty easy to remember. It's uh, www. Of course, Sands Inside Story. Mm-hmm. All one word. Okay. Dot com. Okay. Sans Inside Story.com. And when does the book come out? Comes out April 26th. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are you planning a celebration? <laughs> I've got a launch party planned. Oh, yep. is invi- it? A, the invitations it, are sent out and it's in the, the lovely home of a friend. Mm. Wow. That mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's just such yeah. a fascinating topic. And, and Nicole, I've really enjoyed it. You're oh. you're just uh, you're so easy to talk to. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Okay. Well, best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, 
you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.